You're listening to the Empowered Woman, Badass and Unfiltered Podcast, a place for inspiration, empowerment, and personal development. Showcasing badass women from all over the world, giving tips on personal development, mindset, and healing. I'm your host, Olivia, transformational success coach for spiritual female entrepreneurs. Now let's dive into this episode. Are you struggling with addiction? Today, I am interviewing a very special guest. Her name is Andrea Moses, and she's going to share her story of recovery. Thank you so much for joining me today, and um, I'd love to hear your story. Thank you for having me. So with my story, um, I've been in recovery for almost a year as of May. I went to um, a different place before I'm in transitional now. I was at a point in my life where I had nothing left. Literally everything was just gone mentally, mentally, physically, and emotionally. So with that being said, I had to do something about it. Um, I have been addicted to ecstasy pills, alcohol, weed. I've tried a lot of different things over the course of my life. I started using drugs um, 18 when I was 18. I'm 33 now. So that's a long time of back and forth, trying to figure life out. So I also had been drinking um, a lot during that process every day. It was like an everyday thing that I was doing. With that being said, I was like, okay, I got to do something different. So I enrolled myself into a program that wasn't court mandated or anything. It was just me being tired of being tired. And I really want to be able to help other people by sharing my story in 2017 is when I know for a fact that I was at one of my lowest, lowest, absolute lowest points. That's when I first went into a psych hospital. I was basically really high that day, but I was dealing with depression and I really didn't know from a bad um, emotional, emotionally draining relationship. That part just took me over the edge. So. I ended up calling the hospital. I'm just out wandering in the streets. And I just had nowhere to go at that point. Like I was literally just running and running and running. Like literally like one bus here, one bus there and just ran, ran, ran for a long time. And then I stopped to call the hospital and the ambulance came out to come pick me up. I was so embarrassed because mind you, I'm running and running literally. I haven't taken a shower, haven't taken care of myself. My hair was all over the place probably hadn't slept in days. And when I went to the hospital, I told them that I wanted to die. And I was like, oh my God, did I just say that? And I freaked out because as soon as I told them that, they put me on like a suicide watch. So I was like, oh man, I'm never gonna go home. I tried to get up and leave, but since they had put that order on me, if I would have tried to leave the hospital, I would have been automatically arrested. So I had to sit there and tough it out. But um, I've encountered some amazing people through that process. I'll never forget one of the ladies that told me I was such a beautiful person. I will never forget that lady. She was a nurse. Um, so I was just there for a couple of days until they had a bed ready for me at a different place. So I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to the crazy house. This is crazy, you know, because I used to work in that field. So it was different to be on the other side of that Um situation. So I went there for seven days. Um, I felt really out of my element. 
I feel like I didn't belong. Um, I just feel like I was dealing with a lot of hurtful things that I just needed to talk about. I felt like I was a little different than where I was being placed. So with that, they actually set me up with uh, MHMRA, which is the mental health clinic. That's when I first was diagnosed with MDD, which is major depressive disorder and also anxiety. So with that, I had to have a therapist come to my house every week and I mean, it was a good thing, but I don't. I wasn't ready for it. I really wasn't ready for it. Um, I had a therapist I talked to, and I tried to gain a relationship with her. And we were fine, but I'm very good at masking what's really going on underneath. You can ask me all day, are you okay? And I would like to tell you, yeah, I'm okay with a smile on my face and be dying on the inside. So with that, um, she basically discharged me. And said I was, you know, okay to go back out into society. And I was like, dang. And I knew for a fact that there was things that I needed to heal from. But with me not knowing her personally, you know, just a total stranger, you have to be comfortable sharing mm-hmm. those type of intimate moments with people. So it never got to that point. So I kind of went on with life. Um, I stopped taking my medication, still started self-medicating, using drugs, drinking, all these type of things. Um, in the meantime, my kids were with their grandparents because I knew for a fact mentally I couldn't be the mother that I wanted to be to my kids. And I would rather be them be with their their family versus someone that, that I don't even know where they're at. So um, a lot of things just took place. I mean, I would be up and then I would like fall back down. I'm like, well, dang, what is it? And my breaking point this last time was I was, that's when I knew I was tired. Like I was honestly, to be very honest, I was so high, I couldn't come down, um, which was scary. Cause it was days of me being up there and not knowing how to come down. Um, my friends were there for me. I was freaking out thinking people were following me. It was crazy, like really, really crazy. And the part that got me to where I could actually kind of think about what was going on was gospel music. And it's crazy because I was always into church, but when things don't go your way, sometimes you kind of veer off from what you know. But after that episode of like days of having these issues, I literally just started listening to a particular church song I forgot the name of oh you deserve it and I was in my room crying like bawling crying mind you I'm still high but um it brought me down to a a different level of I surrender type of thing yeah so with that I had talked to my friend about okay maybe I need to go to rehab Mind you, she's she's a friend that has went through the same steps that I've been through. So I shared with her a lot of things that she really didn't know because I wasn't very open with my feelings and how I was dealing with stuff. And I'm calling the place and I was like, do y'all have a bed? And I was freaking out. Like I, I remember calling them the first time and when I heard a voice, I automatically hung up. Because it was scary to admit like, okay, you really, really, really need help. So they call me, um, I have to keep calling them after a couple of days to keep seeing if they had a bed ready. 
So they called me back and told me that they did. And if I can come in the next day, I was like, oh my God, freaking out, totally freaking out. And I'm telling the people that were closest to me, which is my kids, family members, a couple close friends, a couple of women entrepreneurs that's been with me since the beginning. And I took that leap of faith and I did it. And it's almost been a year of a lot of pain and trauma that I've released. I have a, a freeing spirit now, um, which is, I thought I would never get to because I, I'm so protective of my space and how I deal with stuff. I mean, I've been self-medicating since 18. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. You're going through life trying to figure out your way. So this is where I'm at now, almost a year sober. I'm absolutely loving it. I made so much growth in less than a year's time. I went from intensive program, I went to supportive. Intensive is like exactly what it says, intensive. Supportive is where they give you a little bit more leniency to transitional. It's like I'm almost to independent living, which is back where, get me close to where I am know I should be going. So I'm excited about that. So Definitely. I'm just, yeah, very, very excited. Definitely. And what were some of the things that helped you most when you were recovering, like in the very beginning stages, like, you know, cause you'll deal with a lot of like the withdrawals that'll be hard. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you'll also deal with just the, the, the trauma that's coming back up that you actually mm-hmm. really have to deal with that you've been hiding and like masking from and facing that head on. What were some of the ways to get that done so fast? Um, one of the main things that I know for sure that was going to help me get through that is my willingness to do it. Mm-hmm. You were like, committed. I, I, I was committed for the day I stepped into recovery, um, which means I have to be vulnerable. I'm going to have to talk about the hard things that I haven't been talking about. I'll have to share that with other people. I have to write some stuff down. So from the moment I went into treatment, I surrendered myself and I knew those things were going to come up. So I was committed to doing the hard stuff. So, I mean, I stayed strong in my faith because that's first and, for, first and foremost for me, God and my faith. So I just stay committed to the whole thing. I mean, there's been times where I would be sharing in, in the group about certain deaths my mom adopted. So my mom passed away in 2016. I never, never, I cried the first day when I found out. After that, I didn't cry. I didn't cry at the funeral. I didn't cry at all. And somebody else was sharing their story about their parent. And it triggered something in my head. So, I I mean, I got up and walked out of the group, but I came back. So it was, it was a constant commitment of, okay, this is what you have to do. You came in here knowing what you have to do. So now it's time to put all of that to, to work. Yeah. Yeah. And that's my father passed away when I was 20 and, Mm -hmm. um, similar, like I didn't cry when I found out he died. I cried out, I cried that night and then randomly throughout the journey of it, I've cried and stuff. And I've allowed myself, there was a lot of like guilt that I had Mm -hmm. attached to it. And I really had to like change my mind about how I saw myself. And um, 
in, in relation to that and our relationship and everything and just look at it from a sense of gratitude. Granted, everybody's situation is different, of course, and whatever, you, you know, you have to do to really heal. And I just, I feel like that's something like healing is the biggest thing in general that the black community needs more than anything is healing because there's a lot of these um, egoic things that we have attached to us. For one, we've got to be a strong black woman. We have to be like, we just have to be a certain way. We, we, and it's culturally, like I I've stepped a lot away from being the cultural norm. Like I, I've bought a pair of Jordans for other people before, but I've never owned any. Like, <laughs> like just certain things. It's like we, mm-hmm. it's this excess feel that we need to like flex and show who we are. We have mm-hmm. to like have this extra amount of like, everything's fine. Like nothing can be wrong with us. We mm-hmm. look down on mental illness, but that's one of the biggest things that is hurting the black community. Yes, this is a subject that people do not feel comfortable talking about. It's literally just swept under the rug. I'm, I myself, that's that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And healing is one of the most freeing experiences if you take the time to do the work. Experiences that I have ever experienced. I felt like everything that I went through throughout my life got me to this point and I wouldn't change it for nothing. Because it has literally caused me to have like a freeing spirit. Like a lot of things that I've held on to from childhood. Like I've been feel like I've been in jail or in prison walking around this whole time. And there's been times that I used to always worry about my hair and this, this and this and that. Pretty face, okay, yeah, but what's really going on in the inside? Mm -hmm. And now since I working on the inside, um, you can see it on the outside. Yes. yeah, it's a it's a freeing, I swear it's a freeing experience. I wouldn't change it for nothing. Yeah. And I mean, like I I, I recorded another podcast today and it was actually about um love. Mm-hmm. It, it was love and money. It's a very interesting thing. And it was self-love. And um and it was taking the soul and who we are within. And elevating it to a point that it surpasses like the mind and the ego, but really truly stepping into who we are and accepting and loving who we are, all of our scars, looking in the dirty mirror, all of that stuff and just embracing it and then being in our true purpose and not conforming to the standards of society that somebody else has come up with that doesn't necessarily fit for us. Mm-hmm. And what we, a lot of times when we are trying to cope with all the crap that we don't want to deal with, <laughs> it'll show up. Like for me, like it was definitely alcohol. Mm-hmm. Alcohol just is not my friend. Um, I love me some margaritas. I love <laughs> the quality tequila. It's not like I'm like, I hate alcohol, but alcohol does not benefit me in ways that it, it just, it, it's just not something that's good for me. It, I gain right. weight from it. I, um, and I always say it's like an addictive personality type thing. I always right. blamed it on that type of stuff. But then I realized that anything that you do and make a habit and make an excuse for 
is like, that's just what it is. Your, your mind and your body are on autopilot most of the time anyway. Mm -hmm. So making those changes are so hard to like stop. But when you, when you are fully, truly committed and you know, inside that you're committed to making those changes and doing whatever it takes to properly heal from what you're going through, then you definitely will start to see the transformation. So I, I'm happy that when you said, you know, you're, you went in knowing that this is what you wanted and you went after it, like that is super powerful. So what's something that you want to do in the next five years? The next five years, I want to continue to do what I'm doing, which means helping other women with their struggles with mental health, addiction, things like that. Also with teenagers, I feel like they need it more so sometimes than adults mm-hmm. because that's the age when they're going through puberty. They want all of these changes. They're, I mean, it's a lot going on at that age. So this is just what I want to continue to do to speak out and bring awareness to what's really going on and support in any way that I can. I, I know that. for a fact, this is my purpose and it feels comfortable being where I'm at right now, but I know I can take it further. But I, I feel like this, I know for a fact, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And, you know, the fact that like teenagers, I feel like your teenage years and your young 20s are when you can make the biggest life-changing mistakes in your life. You see it sure. so much with these kids that go to jail when they're 18, 19, and they get these charges for 20 something years, they've screwed up their whole entire life. And it's from those choices that they've made at a young age. And I, I definitely think that that's a lot of things based off of surroundings and what they think they should have because of what their society is telling them. Like, if I can't get it myself, I'm going to rob from somebody else or I'm going to do. And it's, and it shows up in so many different areas too, like in um, our music. And I was like, I was having a conversation and I'm like, you know, you can't have children listening to certain songs that are not made for children that subconsciously gets into their minds. I don't think people realize that type of, you know, the how important those influences are. Mm-hmm. And to speak on, like, there's so many children that get molested. There's yeah. so many children that, you know, are abused, especially during this, this COVID time. I think people aren't talking about that because mm-hmm. um, COVID's still going on and very real for a lot of different mm-hmm. people, yeah. even though it's like, you know, for the people that have lost jobs and also just don't even have the money skills to, mm-hmm. you know, that, and I'm not saying that they don't make money. I'm saying that they don't have the skills to know how to properly budget their money mm-hmm. and their priorities are screwed up. I mean, I had a friend tell me that her sister said, um, well, they didn't have heat in the house. Mm-hmm. but they wanted her kids to have a Christmas. So she won $500 on the scratch off. So it was for the kids Christmas, not for heat in the house. What? I'm just saying people like they're and and I like, you wouldn't believe it until you hear it. Like I, I and I mean, I talk to crazy, crazy, different, crazy people, but not 
not all crazy, but I'm just saying like, just hearing different stories and stuff like that. Like, this is real. Yeah. You don't like, I would never think to do that, but a lot of like that flex mentality is Mm -hmm. super big. Mm -hmm. And I, I really think that you doing what you're doing to expose like a different type mm-hmm. of true healing and true self-care is something that's very important and needed because it's not something that's talked about enough because, mm-hmm. you know, as teenagers, we're just like, okay, go to college or like, you know, get a good job and make a lot of money. Right. We don't talk about dealing with the, the soul mm-hmm. and dealing with those things that have, because most of the problems that you deal with come from childhood traumas. Oh, yes, most definitely. That's where it stems from. Mm-hmm. That's why it really takes a, a lot for you to be vulnerable, vulnerable enough for you to want to heal those things. Cause it's a lot. Just imagine me being 33 and dealing with, I'm also adopted. So with that being said, I was adopted at four going on five. That's a long time to carry around all of this stuff. So I'm not, I don't want to make excuses for myself as far as my childhood and things like that. But I feel like I could have, they could have been dealt with better. I feel like if I would have had that support, my mom worked all the time. So she was very more into academics and things like that versus let me sit sit you down and talk to you type of thing. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that was a lot of things that I was missing at that age. Also, I was extreme introvert. So I was always the one in the back, hanging around, probably reading a book, listening to music versus everybody else who just want to hang out and do all this other stuff. So I was already kind of different from everybody else. But I feel like if I would have had that nurturing things that I feel like I, I needed, it would have been different. But I wouldn't change none of the things that I've been through just because I'm at this point today to be able to talk about my struggles and be able to help somebody else through theirs. Absolutely. You know, and it's like, God will save you and he will <gasps> use you in so many different ways to help so many other people. I mean, it's it's you know, you go through your struggles and you continue to go through struggles throughout life, you know, because mm-hmm. that's just what it is. But it's knowing how to grow through them. Mm-hmm. And I said this the other time, like the last time I was going through a uh, depression, I was going through seasonal affective disorder. Mm-hmm. And I get it every uh, once in a while during the winter time. And um this was, this was a good time that only took me an, a week and a half to get through mm-hmm. once I had realized what I was going through. Mm-hmm. And I said, um, when you get through what you're going, when you focus on getting through what you're going through, you get through it a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do. It's absolutely true. Cause I know for a fact, like I said before, I was extremely good at masking and suppressing. Mm-hmm. Now I have issues that, I, that come and go. But I'm able to deal with it like right away. If I don't deal with it right away, it's going to keep piling back up. So I deal with it as it comes. I don't, you know, harbor on it for days and days and days. My next thing is like, okay, what do you, I'm coming, I'm in solution mode now. I got to figure out how to get out of this. Yes. So I don't stay there. I feel my feelings and my emotions. I deal with them. 
and I move forward. Exactly. And that's what was so important. And I don't think another enough people get it. It's so important for you to, when you are triggered, when you are feeling this way, you allow yourself to feel your emotions, mm-hmm. sit in them, do not depress, like suppress them or any of that stuff. Like now it's, it's hard when you like work and you got stuff going on, but if you need to take that time in, in the nighttime or whenever you get a break to sit and actually feel those emotions and let them go. Mm-hmm. I learned this. Um, I got, I, got certified as a neurolinguistic programming practitioner and um in 2020 and I, this was the, one of the biggest takeaways i got while i was doing this course i was like mm-hmm. you know when we attach emotions to events mm-hmm. we keep replaying them and then when we don't deal with them our subconscious mind will bring them up and continue to bring them up mm-hmm. and then that's how that addiction and all the other stuff come keeps coming back in because it's yeah. like, oh no i want to keep this down oh let me help this and like let, let me deal with this and like instead of actually dealing with the root cause yeah and- ruminating over and over and over and over and one thing i know for a fact that's um important for me to do now with me growing is self-care Definitely. Um, self-care does not mean, okay, I need to go get my hair and my nails done. Mm-hmm. Self-care is me like putting my phone on do not disturb and just sitting with my own thoughts, reading a book sometimes, listening to gospel music. Then I mean, if I'm going to do my nails and my hair and things like that, that's different. But just to be able to sit with your own thoughts, to be able to process them so you can deal with those situations, it's, it's a good thing to do. Self-care is, I have to do that. It's a necessity. It's an yes. absolute necessity. You have yeah. to fill your own cup before you give to anybody else. Yes. And it's like, and it's such a good thing that you, you saw that and you knew I need to make a change. Mm-hmm. I need to do so. And I'm so happy that you have, and I'm, I'm looking forward to really what you're doing in the future. Yes. I'm totally here to support it. I'm like, you let me know. You let me know yes. all your wins. I'm here yes. for it. Yes. I appreciate it a lot because you started the process of reaping the benefits of me starting to walk in my purpose. You were the very first person that contacted me. And I'm like, ah. okay. I was excited. And since then, I've had two other opportunities to do the same exact thing. Yes, you just got to be so, oh my goodness. I was, uh, I listened to a lot of motivational things every morning Mm -hmm. and it was something about just be welcoming to those opportunities, Yeah, you know, and open and, and, and since you've done this healing and you're going to continue to do more work and you're going to continue to share your story and you're going to continue to grow and you're going to continue to help more people. It'll just be a snowball effect. And I'm so excited to see. I know me too. I'm glad to be a part of it with you. It's awesome. Thanks for listening to this episode of the empowered woman, badass and unfiltered podcast. If you found any value in this, please consider sharing and subscribing. Now go out and be a badass.